This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. It's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all blow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. On our show tonight, Howling Under the Full Moon, we will explore Charles Band's Empire Full Moon Entertainment. We've got trancers, sci-fi epics, and vampires all in one place. When you need a break from reality, let our host show you through the madhouse of killer bombs, psychopathic cookies, and maniacal puppets. Don't be a squid and join us in the fun. For 66 years, evil has been waiting, watching, wanting, for someone to play with its toys. Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degenerations Howling at the Full Moon. We have something pretty special for you tonight. We're going to be covering the 1992 Demonic Toys, directed by Peter Manugian. My guest co-host this evening is uh, not our regular co-host, Dustin Hubbard. He is not with us this evening, but he's with us in spirit. <clears throat> but my guest co-host is the one, the only, the good, the bad, the independent, Gary Hill. So much in the chunky style, man. Uh, I'm here too with the chunky style. But yeah, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> that chunky style chicken. Do you, you want that? What was was the line chunky or extra crispy? Yes. <laughs> that was actually a note I had down here. Was chunky chicken? Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? Like, how did this place stay in business? <laughs> I, I'd imagine that the, the chunky is the leftover parts. That's not the legs in the in the breasts. But you know, it's it's uh, I don't know. We'll get into this. 
that, I'm sure. The the giblets, yes, indeed, you know. But uh, Gary and I have known each other here for uh, a couple of years. I've been a guest on his uh, show, uh, Cinema Beef, uh, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, and you have a couple other shows going on as well. Well, yeah, there's uh, Burning for Springwood 1, the Freddy's Nightmares thing, which, you know, when that's over, move on to another anthology series, because I've always loved anthology anything even 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 the bad ones are good as we're learning as we dive into the freddy's nightmare series uh <laughs> um always fun to talk about with the group uh e- either way and um yeah, i look forward uh, to coming on that show at some point yeah man um but then uh yeah other stuff um I pop in on the NFW commentaries. That's like the Dark Discussions Network. You can check it out there. And uh, stuff that we'll get into towards the end because Cameron's going to be a part of a couple of these things. And I'm sure uh, we'll talk about them together on the back end there if that's kosher with them. Yeah. Yeah, right on. Well, let's go ahead and get into the movie here. We'll do the quick IMDb synopsis because this is just a quick little blurb here. But Demonic Toys. 1992, a pregnant policewoman, her quarry, and an innocent delivery boy become trapped in a haunted boy warehouse. And that pretty much spells it out, but doesn't tell you some of the craziness we're going to get into here with uh, with killer toys, uh, a, a rapey demon baby creature that's 66 years old, but he still like looks like he's eight. I don't get I don't get the, the logistics of that as I call it. It's kind of Sharknado science. If you just go into it with Sharknado science, you're good to go. Just think, rapey eight year old, okay? Because the the words "doing the nasty" come out of that boy's mouth, and when it does, yeah, you get a little creeped out there. That's uh yeah, and he's super creepy. He is super creepy kid. I had to look him up. I'd recognize I knew I recognized him from somewhere, so I did a little cheating on the IMDb. And he was also the killer kid that was like the new Malachi or the new Isaac in Children of the Corn 3. Oh. So he has some kind of B-movie credentials there. Those those Children of the Corn sequels are underrated in my opinion. And his role as, I think it was Jacob, or some biblical name, obviously. But um, evil, evil as shit in that movie. Better, better in that movie. But... um. I'm not calling yeah, that Maury. a better movie, but it's it's just it's just as good as this movie. But he's uh he's very evil in that movie. I love it very much. Yeah, he got he's got good creeper kid face, you know. The the fact that he's playing a, a rapey demon eight year old is just kind of befitting for a kind of a he's a little bastard. Eh? He's that's all you can say to describe him. He's a little bastard. Now I, I saw this movie back in the day. God, I was probably a freshman, sophomore in high school renting it from the local video store on VHS, no DVD back then, of course. And I remember this being one of my favorites from, you know, the Paramount era, the early, you know, the late, uh, the late Paramount era, you know, it came out around the same time as some of the, the, the mid transfers and puppet master sequels and subspecies. And it's just, you know, Charles band doing what Charles band does best creating little killers you know, from the puppet masters to all the way up to the ginger dead man and whatnot. You know, there seems to be a little motif of a uh, little modus operandi is always little killers, you know, which I love it. I love baby oopsie. I love Jack attack. I love all of them. Uh, I'm the, the sucker that will eventually have every little action figure of them ever made. 
Now, do you remember the first time you saw it? I was, you know, video story, like you say, you know, and this is when Full Moon was uh, coming into my life. I remember seeing the poster for Puppet Master 2. That was probably was the one that got me started in the whole Full Moon game. And that might have been the first, um, when they first started getting into Paramount, because they, were, they weren't always with Paramount, I don't think. I don't, right. I don't recall if they were or not. I don't think the first Puppet Master was, but I think Puppet Master 2 definitely was. And this came out around the same time, I think. Was this was this before Puppet Master 3? I think it was between 2 and 3 because, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Chinetsky, the, the uh, security guard, is watching a movie on his monitors and he's watching Puppet Master 2. So I, I think it was between Puppet Master 2 and 3. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I saw this one and... Um, you know, it, it hits you where I live because it's. And I love a good child's play clone, and this kind of begins like child's play to where you know the blood has to be spilled to 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 uh, <laughs> get everybody going, get the demon going, get the toys going. He uses a catalyst like that. I mean, this comes from a guy who just watched Pinocchio's Revenge on purpose. Okay. <laughs> oh gosh, why'd you do that to yourself? It's 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 a Kevin Tenney film. And for some reason, I thought the, the, the puppet was a little bit more horny than I remember, but he just has like that one scene where he's all hot for the, for the, for the nanny in the one <laughs> yeah. scene, but that's about it. I, I had remember I had remembered in my brain a scene where he was going to get busy on the mom, but that, that must've just been visions of Silent Night, Deadly Night part five in my brain, which is, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to give it away because Oh uh, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. Uh, not you. I mean the, the audience. I know you've seen it. <laughs> yeah, Mickey, Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney is Joe Petto. Has has a supposed son in this movie, and he uh he he's he's got it all. Well, he doesn't have it all in the right places, but um yeah, there's a scene. <laughs> there's a scene in that movie that I don't want to give away because it is it is creepy, and I love it. But uh, it's a but yeah. But this yeah. one I saw on on VHS. I love, I love, I love Charles Ben. I think Dolls was one of the first movies that that scared the shit out of me, and I can see today why it would scare the shit out of me because there's just some genuine, some genuine scenes of horror in that. I think it was R-rated, but you know, people may think it, it was. People might think it's very saccharine because of the title, but the scene that sold me all the way. Is the very the, the very end when her ridiculous father becomes the punch doll, the transformation of the punch doll, which uh -oh. I think is one of the best one of the best effects in any Charlie Band picture, I think. Well, you know, and let's face it, that was Stuart Gordon, you know, too. That he, you know, was the pinnacle of fucking good effect effect driven movies mm. and like when he turns into the the punch doll at the end it's almost akin to david naughton and his like werewolf transformation scene in american world in london it it's painful to watch like the yeah. sound and whatnot sell it is just like still kind of makes you squirm a little bit like i said like, uh, saccharine is a good way to describe it i think a lot how a lot of people probably perceive that movie but there's some genuine chills in it when the one girl one of the punk girls actually like leans forward and her eyes fall out and she just yeah. kind of 
picks them up and holds them up next to her head and the, the, her eye sockets are hollow. I remember that just scaring the bejesus out of me as a kid. And it's still an effect that holds up to this day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this one's got the you know, great, great, great puppets in it. You know, they, they look good. Well, some of them look good. I, I can't say Baby Oopsie Daisy has aged well, but um, I, I, yeah, I, I baby... love I'm good. Sorry. No, I was going to say, oh, Baby Oopsie Daisy. Uh, my, uh, uh, what sells it is its attitude. You know, yeah. the, eff- the effects of Baby Oopsie Daisy doesn't, hasn't aged, you know, quite as well, but. You know, some of the the effects, uh, Grizzly Teddy, which would, to me was kind of a throwback to dolls with, you know, the Teddy. And I love Jack Attack. Like, I want one of those for my desk. I just want a life-size Jack Still looks great, the Jack Attack. And I uh, I prefer, I don't want to give away what the bear turns into, but what the bear turns into at the end is, uh, I, I, I love a good guy in a suit. And you... <laughs> I know well, we, Dalman. We do, we do spoilers I here, so you, you're I, all good. I, I know Dalman versus Demonic Toys isn't the best thing, but they still use guys in suits in that movie too, and I can appreciate that. And but um, yeah, I saw this right right in that that sweet spot of watching everything full moon. I I gobbled it up, you know, because it was kind of I'm not calling it weaker horror, but I I wasn't into like the heavy heavy horror and mm. stuff like this and. The, the 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 them good puppet master sequels and um seed people i watched a, a few times which i recognize now as a not so good body snatchers rip off but it it still <laughs> works you know um, uh, directed by the same guy too oh he yeah Peter Manugian, yeah i mean note that he directed this dungeon master eliminators oh, arena yeah. Seed people, and then the 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 sequel, Doll Man versus Demonic Toys. He did a lot of work for Full Moon back in the day. I think Eliminators is the big winner out of all that bunch. Oh, I love Eliminators. I have a lot and of fun with. And Arena Arena is pretty, you know, I silly believe. fun too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, let's start with the opening of this uh, fucking film. <laughs> It starts off with uh, Judith and Matt, two kind of uh, undercover police officers, and they're getting, they're on a stakeout, kind of. They're getting ready to meet some some arms dealers, and they're the worst undercover cops in the game. Like they're not convincing at all. You know, they have a little bit of an argument, or not an argument, but a discussion before, and you find out that Judith is pregnant. But why, like, is she? why is she even on the job if she's pregnant and why, you know, why if she knows it, would she even put herself into that situation? It just, just seems uh, unnecessary, but we barely even get to know, know these two characters before. I mean, pretty much blam one fucking gunshot later, these two uh, fucking thugs that uh, I forgot the characters names. I think it's Hesse or Hess and, and Lincoln Lincoln is kind of the main guy. And his partner, there's a big shootout. Uh, Hess gets wounded and whatnot. And they all end up at the Arcadia uh, toy warehouse, which I want to know, like, what kind of budget, you know, was the Arcadia toy warehouse working with? Because they must have been hemorrhaging money for having night watchmen and all the overhead that they had at this place to to not be like manufacturing or selling a a single fucking thing. Well, (laughs) he does, you know. When we get our, you know, the, the the our chicken delivery boy in the movie, he does mention that this was like a warehouse for like 
overstock toys, like discarded toys, you know, that wouldn't sell in a way. Stuff that ends up at the Dollar Tree next month. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but 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 they can afford, you know, a twenty-four hour night, you know, night watchman. This is the thing. But we would if they didn't, we wouldn't have Chinetsky, and he is probably the the character for me that sells this movie. I I love <clears throat> the trope of having a cop or rent a cop that's just more interested in eating eating fast food and drinking coffee and having donuts and stuff than and drinking a beer under the table than doing his job because like Judith you know who's played by Tracy Scoggins comes into this place all guns blazing firing after both Lincoln and Hess and. He doesn't hear a thing, or he does. Well, he actually does because later on, when they get locked in a room, Hess ends up dying, and <laughs> she ends up locked in a room with Lincoln, the guy who shot and killed her cop boyfriend. And they get locked in a room, and like they finally find him. You know, the our one of our other main characters, uh, Mark, who's just a slacker working at a chicken fast food joint, who brings you know. Uh, Charnetsky, the you know his little to go box, gets locked in the room with him, and you know, and Charnetsky's just like, yeah, yeah, I heard you, because she's like, well, didn't you hear the screaming? Didn't you hear all the noise and the gunshots? And he's just kind of like, yeah, he 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 heard none of this. Because let me tell you something, no. Charnetsky's the setup, who's you know the the worst security guard on the planet, obviously. He oh, has what? like like he has the cameras going for this yes high tech, you know. Toy Depot, why would you even have a security guard at this place? But whatever, I digress. But uh he's got his porno mag going, he's got his his bottle of hooch and, and puff master playing on the other TV and uh polka music playing in the background. So how would you hear anything? <laughs> yeah, uh, he didn't hear a damn thing. Yeah. And how could he have not have? How could he have I mean, like how could even uh the Mark character not have heard something? It's it's kind of like the scene in the original uh, or the uh, in Night of Living Dead. Like, and you hear all this noise up here? Well, well yeah, we like heard something, but no, you heard everything. You just weren't paying any attention. Mm. But you know, you you wouldn't have your comic relief. And I think you know, like how do you said, uh, this seems like a more kind of watered down horror. You know, like some people would call full moons at the time. Time I don't really consider a sanitized, watered down kind of horror. Oh. It's more. It's more fantasy based. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's kind it's kind of safe for for a kid like me who really wasn't into horror, like like a gateway kind of thing, just like Dolls was back in the day. That that and Dolls could be today, you know. You know, I, I think what it is is it, Charles Band has shown time and time again he's more interested in horror that has to do with beasts and monsters and creatures and myth- mythical you know characters as opposed to like. You know, but person-on-person violence, so to speak. Yep. You know, and, you know, that has its place, too. You know, there's that's why there's underground horror, and there's top-notch horror, and then there's, you got your B-grade horror, but it all falls in somewhere. But, once again, we got the worst undercover cops cop in the game meets up with the worst security guard in the game, because uh, the Hess character comes across Baby Oopsie and gets killed on a like a what the hell is it a pentagram you know when the first thing i was thinking the first note i made was don't go towards the light because that's exactly the opposite of what the character does is this Perfect, like perfectly lit area you know with a 
a fancy glowing uh, effect, you know, when blood hits it. it. It really brings the room together, doesn't it? Yeah, it ties the room together like a nice throw rug. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but, like, another note I made is Arcadia Toys is a fucking labyrinth. For a place that's, like, just supposed to be overstocked toys, the, the boxes and the... The rooms are all set up like the, you know, the that last scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark when they're putting away Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> you know, no wonder he couldn't hear or see anything that was going on. But yeah, we get uh, our security guard Sharnetsky. He he get he gets it pretty bad. And there's the, the note where I made uh, the demonic toys are awfully face nibbly. That, that's like yeah. they're face hungry. They're face. Chompers. They 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 get Hess's face. They get Sharnetsky's face. Uh, he's just you know he gets it pretty bad. I mean like they chew him up. Yeah, they go. They the, the bear literally goes for the jugular, and yeah, that's what finally does them in. Yep. But we get we've talked about baby Oopsie. We got the and Jack attack. But there are four names for our uh, our puppets, our our killer toys, or baby Oopsie, or baby Oopsie Daisy, Mister Static, the robot. Jack Attack and Grizzly Teddy. That's their quote-unquote official names. But <laughs> I guess I, I the, the next note I have is, you know, they're fighting against, uh, you know, not just the the toys, this demon, this demon boy that's manifesting itself in the form of a little boy, but it's really a 66-year-old demon that got kind of tossed out with the trash. Uh, the last time it tried to get reborn because it needs to be reborn through a human vessel. It was, uh, I think I, I made a note of it. I thought, Oh yeah, it was took place in 1925 and it was on Halloween, no less. So I think it's technically, this could almost be called a Halloween movie, but maybe, maybe not. But and this, I, I, I got to talk about that scene because they, they had to have the whole flashback scene. And what he's talking about, Attempted to be born, be born sixty six years ago. Now, were the old old lady and the old man in on this this fuck plot to make the make the devil happen? I, I, I as because they were very excited about you know because basically the kid, the the demon kid lives kind of because she decides to give it the trick or treaters and say. You got to plant this baby in the ground and from the ground, it'll seed and grow and yada, yada, yada. It's like, we're some old, with some Rosemary's baby or is she going on in this fucking movie that we didn't see? I don't know, man. And unlike Rosemary's baby, at least you get to see the demon kid. Yeah. For a little bit, you know, <laughs> it, and it, do, it doesn't look that bad. It's probably, you know, besides Jack, Jack attack. I think it's the best looking puppet in the movie, you know? Yeah. And they don't show it very, for very long. It's, it, it's the the best looking puppet in the movie, as good as Jack Attack, at least. Mm-hmm. But those kids just kind of take it. I think they thought they were getting a big bountiful bag of candy when they. I love though when they opened it up and they unwrapped the burlap sack, <laughs> and they just see it. They instantly just scream and throw it over their shoulders down to like a little ravine, so it got like buried underneath the what became the toy store or the toy warehouse. But I definitely think that those old old people, that old couple, they were in on some uh, they were in, in on some wild demon fucking. Yeah. It's it's but, a prom night dumpster demon baby. So you know they, they, <laughs> they just threw it out, man. And uh, that that was that. Sixty six years later, he gets to the uh, go uh, uh, 
try try to give the uh, the bone zone to uh, the the hot lady from Babylon Five. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, from Dynasty to Babylon Five to demonic toys. What a what a strange well, career. Well, her and Claudia and Christian, I, I had the hots for both of them. You know, there, there's reasons to watch Babylon Five, and those are those are two of them for sure. You know, yeah, that's at least two two good reasons. <laughs> But the next one, I think the biggest what the fuck moment in this movie is the random appearance of Anne, the homeless girl, the homeless prophet that just pops oh. out of the air conditioning heating vent for no reason. Homeless, into the movie. homeless exposition, by the homeless way, exposition prophet, by, by the way, the toys are alive. It's like, yeah, thanks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've seen them kill our friend like five seconds ago. Thanks you for the tip. But this is like. You know, like, I thought that was one little messed up of the movie. Like, all they could have done was shown her watching, like, five minutes earlier, like, from the air vent grate, just, like, you know, peeping while the, all the commotion is going on. You know, they even say, like, why didn't you say anything, you know, like, when all this was going on? Like, I was watching you. And it's like, oh, so you're a creeper homeless girl. <laughs> well, if you, uh, if, you didn't, if you didn't have the creeper homeless girl... You wouldn't have had the scene where her and uh, Bentley Mitchum, who, who he's been in like five things, and I've probably seen all of them. Uh, this, sometimes they come back. He's in uh, Meatballs 4. He's in, yes, I've seen all the Meatballs films, people. I'm not ashamed. Meatballs uh, <laughs> 4, not the highest, but not the lowest point of Corey Feldman's career. Yeah, there's, there's some, well... I think you know Haim. You know R.I.P. had a lot, a lot more low points because he he made some choices when he become, I guess, not very popular anymore. But um, if he's actually Robert Mitchum's son. It's not even, a, it's not even a coincidence that, that, that he has the last name. And uh, but it, you wouldn't have got that scene where him and homeless Ann, homeless Ann, uh, you know, street prophet, uh, are crawling through the vents. You see the girls on the tricycles for no reason, pointing out that they're in the vents. You know, yeah, that was a creepy sequence. I mean, it kind of, you know, smelled a little bit like The Shining. You know, like kind of like a cross between Danny on his tricycle and the twin girls. Like they kind of married those things, but they they call them the Watchdogs, and they really only pop up like like one other time, like twice, yeah. and it's just girls on tricycles, little girls wearing gas masks. It's creepy. I mean, it's it. It's weird and it makes no sense whatsoever, but like it's such cool visual imagery. I kind of give it a pass. I thought about the grave diggers from from the Phantasm series that the with the masks on. Yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> I was yeah. like, here here comes the lurkers coming to coming to give us a little bit of exposition. It doesn't go anywhere because it really doesn't go anywhere. They just like point to the vents, like, hey, yeah, they're up here, bro. You know, and then, <laughs> here comes Baby Oopsie Daisy to come make some more lines, which is. Which is what you come for. You come for, you know, Jack, Jack Tack and the them great baby oopsie daisy lines. And um yeah, it's, it's I, awesome. I even shit my pants. Oh, so you good. You shit your pants? <laughs> <laughs> I made a note, uh the Linda Cook was the one who vo voiced baby oopsie daisy in this one. Uh she did not voice uh baby oopsie in any of the, the sequels, I don't think. But uh yeah, bears mentioning that uh Linda Cook did that because that that just is that's the character that you want to see. That's you know, baby oopsie has it all. All the great one-liners gets all the action and really is like more of a main, you know, antagonist than even the evil demon kid. 
Yeah, you know, going back to baby, I forget if this happens. I'm sure you could do the sequel one day. Like for some reason, I remember Baby Oopsie Days getting all horned up on somebody. But I think it was the the tiny girl, the the, the miniaturized girl in the next movie. Uh, the, oh yeah, uh, I think it's Ginger. that one. Yeah, Ginger. That's what I'm thinking about. I was like, does this doll get get up on Tracy Scoggins' business? I don't remember, but you know. I do remember this doll getting all horny and shit at some point in this movie, and I was mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> that was the sequel, yeah. That was one where uh, Nurse Ginger was about to be impregnated by by Baby Oopsie Daisy, who once again, you know, it's funny that the the, the demonic toys come back, but the demon boy does not, you know, because they realize real 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 quickly that uh, where their money was at was with with the toys. And she also uh, voiced the leech woman in, in Puppet Master. Um, I'd imagine just a lot of gagging noises, I guess, you know, for the, for the leech woman. <laughs> well, yeah, leech woman really doesn't do anything but vomit up leeches. You know, there's really no, <laughs> there's no dialogue there. Just kind of gross gagging sound of that sound effects. I guess uh, leech woman doesn't have a gag reflex. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't. Obviously, they 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 got to come from somewhere. But you know that, yeah, she she got paid for gagging. You know, much like Gene Hackman got paid for Nuclear Man, Superman Four. Yeah, <laughs> give, give, give me two million, Gene Hackman says, and I'll do it. And he's all good. See, you know. Uh, I'm sorry. Not... Continue, my friend. You know. <laughs> Well, I mean, from there, I don't know where we can go from uh, gagging and Gene Hackman in the same sentence. Uh, I think it is funny, though, that when the toys go to finally attack Mark and Anne, it just gets messy right there. Because Anne dies horribly. She gets part of her face bitten off again. She gets stabbed in the face multiple times. She, you know, she, gets, and- she gets stabbed in the eye, which is very Italian if you think about it. Because if you look at Italian films, horror, horror films... Anybody oh, okay. who gets who gets trauma to the eye immediately dies, and she 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 died from trauma to the eye for sure. Uh, and she she's probably the most gruesome death because it, it's just her, her screaming is so shrill. You know, yeah. when she's getting stabbed in the eye. You you feel it. You know, and this movie has uh, what I like. Uh, one of the things I like about it, one of the many things I like about it, is that there's multiple bad guys. You have the idea of. Uh, Lincoln, the, the main you know arms dealer, who is just that guy must have been on all the cocaine. Like he is just so wired and so maniacal in this movie, man. He, you know, he thought he was going to be getting like you know Joe Pesci money. Yeah, yeah he, <laughs> he, he was, was he was pretty intense the whole time for sure. Oh yeah, he was running on, on a scale from one to ten. He was running at a full eleven the entire time. Michael Russo, that's his name. And, uh, but yeah, you got him as the scumbag Lincoln. You had Hester who didn't last very long, which, uh, I forget the actor's name. His last name was Lynch, uh, Barry Lynch. That's his name. Uh, he was also the main bad guy in another favorite of mine, Ticks. Oh, Ticks is so good, man. Oh yeah. That's one I want to cover on a future show and not, a on, on this one, but on another show. Yeah, Ticks is an unsung hit. i Love that movie, but I digress. But yeah, I, that's where I recognize him from. I hadn't watched this in, in a while, and I had to pause it for a moment and go and look up ticks and look up the trailer to make sure it was the same guy. I'm like, sure enough, sure enough, it was him. But yeah, a whole, whole lot of TV and then demonic toys and then more TV. 
and then Desert Kickboxer, whatever the hell that is. I have to look this up now, see? Because it sounds so terrible, it might be delightful. But um, continue. <laughs> I'm sorry. And actually, it says here that he is was Richard Lynch's brother. Oh, it's not just... It's just like, this film is full of not just coincidences, people, see? You know? It's uh... a... Yeah. Richard Lynch's brother, Robert Mitchum's son or grandson or whatever. Yeah, there's, you know, got a leading lady from Dynasty. You know, it's got a little bit of everything. <laughs> it's all over the place, but it's still quintessential full moon. Uh, but th- this is where we get our big uh, scene of, like, exposition, you know, where, you know, I-, I-, I love it where the kid, they just what they describe him as, the kid uh, is explaining to Tracy Scoggins or Judith, the character Judith, you know, like everything that he has to do. Like he, they're kind of like in a dollhouse within the a dollhouse that's within the the warehouse, and the kid real kind of reveals that he's like really a, a spirit, but he's a demon who wants to become human, and so he's got to impregnate a woman. But since she's already pregnant, he can just rapidly facilitate her pregnancy even though she's only supposed to be 30 days along he's gonna like make sure she gives birth right then and there so he can be so if uh, it's, it's it's really does like once again it's, it's sharknado science you know he's got to transfer his soul into her ovaries where he can devour the baby's soul and then if, if be reborn i guess you know because it's, it's sound it's science right He's gonna be reborn into that uh that young boy. He's gonna tear that womb wide open, man. Is all I'll say about that one. Well, and you know, and the creepy part is that you know he's a a, a, a rapey eight year old demon who keeps saying, "I'm going to do the nasty." And every time, See, yeah, whether he's like the little kid or the full blown adult 66 year old demon that he you know transforms into it for a bit at the end every time he says do the nasty it just sent a sh- shiver down my spine i'm like this this guy facilitated the whole me too movement but when it comes out of the the mouth of the 10 year old and i realize it's adr it's 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 an adult person talking but when those words are coming out of a 10 year old's mouth you're like wow this kid's gonna kill small animals when he gets older or something because right. uh, if he ain't doing it right now, because he's got the fucking kids got green glowing eyes, saying doing the nasty like while wringing his hands like Mister Burns with his long fingernails, you know. Yeah, or I called it. <laughs> I made a note here, and I'm like, kids got green glowing eyes and coke nails. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> This is like, you know, like, cause I swear, like, the nails changed length at one point, and it looks like his pinky is just like a full blown Coke nail. <laughs> this this kid is into rough pornography, perhaps, you know, probably passed on by his father, maybe. This, this, yeah. this, this, this kid, Daniel Cerny, is the actor, and I hope he's grown up to be a nice, well adjusted person. But in this movie, you, you question that just from oh, his yeah. expressions, you know. You would not be surprised if he had, like, you know, little dead ferrets or something hanging in his closet. <laughs> it's like, oh, what happened to your pet ferret? Oh, I don't know, Mommy. <laughs> you know? Like, oh, well, we did the nasty is what happened to Mommy, you know? Yeah. They'd be like, oh, that's our boy. That's our little Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to grow up and conjure things like Baby Oopsie Daisy and Jack Attack when he grows up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's he's so creepy that it works so well. Oh my gosh. 
I, I didn't mention this before, but there's the, the the opening, you know, with her pursuing her 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 partner slash lover's killer. She is wearing the most impractical shoes for going anywhere in, in like a stakeout or a cop form because she's like, you know what? I'll, I'll get on my my evening flats and make as much noise as I can in this warehouse because <laughs> they sound like fucking tap shoes, okay? And I'm sorry to get this before we're going backwards here, but. Again, terrible cop. You know, wearing yeah, practical shoes. In practical shoes, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and let's face it, even though I like the character and I like Tracy Scoggins, she, in this role at least, I've seen her do much more and do much better with her career, at least like as far as performances are considered, at least not maybe not the movie she's been in. But she is an over-actress from hell. Like, oh my lord, like... Like she can cry at the drop of a dime, though. I'll tell I'll tell you that because that that's all she does is scream, cry, and then cry, scream. <laughs> you oh, know, and stare blankly because there's there's that one scene where she's almost catatonic inside the dollhouse. Yeah, the whole, yeah. The whole she's time, just like, just, the whole time this movie's going on, she's having a recurring dream of what they call the fair-haired boy, which is, I guess, your little Nazi poster child that's going to be your actual son. And the devil boy play, playing a game of war in the in this creepy living room with all these clocks going and these rocking chairs going. And uh, she has like this blank stare. And only thing I could think about was, um, did you see The Killing of a Sacred Deer? No, I have not. Uh, not yet. Well, Nicole Kidman plays a wife in the movie to, to, to uh, Colin Farrell. And she's so high on behavioral meds that she gives like the blankest stare when they're having sex. <laughs> that that's what that's what that reminds me of. It's like she's on so many behavioral meds that she's just like staring off into space because that's she's all so the oxy. She's <laughs> she's so bored with sex, and it, now her dead boyfriend's penis apparently. You know. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah, but uh, she's having these like hallucinations or dreams, dream sequences, if you will, of the two kids playing war, and. <laughs> you know, the fate of the world held in the balance by an imaginary card game in a room full of clocks. I don't know. I, I kept thinking the, the room with the full of clocks made me think of that one really bad. Um, uh, Amityville Horror sequel, the one is It's About Time. Where it was about the clock, the, the haunted clock that it came from. Yep, uh, yep. I watched that. Yeah, God, I have not watched that in years. Now I kind of want to. I, I don't know why, but I kind of want to. Well, I think v- vinegar uh, syndrome, or somebody has a nice special edition Blu-ray out. So now I, I wrote down a couple of one-liners that I loved in this movie because there is a whole bunch of one, bunch of them, especially with Baby Oopsie. But I have the biggest what the fuck one-liner is when the demon boy slash, slash spirit boy or whatever says, I'm going to ride shotgun shot. No, no, wait. <laughs> it's kind of stuttering. Out. He says, I'm going to ride shot down, shot down. Ugh, I can't talk to <laughs> Maybe I should have another drink or one less drink, but I'm going to ride shotgun down the old birth canal. That's the line. It's so fucked up that I can't even say it. And the fact that it's an eight-year-old saying it is just creepy. You know, like my, like my God. Yeah, this kid's got dead animals in his in his closet. I'm telling you. 
He's gonna get all up in a business, all demon style, man. And he he, uh. he looks like he means that shit too. This, this was fucked up by the people. It really is. Man. Yeah. That's <laughs> the and uh a little bit of uh, like a tidbit of information. They were wanted to call this dangerous toys at first and they were going to call it and pay, apparently they had some promotional art for it until they got a cease and desist letter from the band dangerous toys now on a side note i saw the band dangerous toys opening for motorhead before many 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 years ago in the 80s several years before this and the band are tools <laughs> and I, I not that i think uh, that has anything to do with this movie or that or that situation but yeah the band is a bunch of tools that's that's their name though, brah. Can't, can't steal it, you know. That's a, yeah, that's yeah. True. Oh yeah, I'm not not saying that they were wrong, but I'm just saying they're still tools. <laughs> they they probably would have took fifty bucks in a six pack, but you know Charlie ain't gonna swing for that man, you know. Nope, nope, he ain't paying. Oh gosh, well let's see what else do we get? Uh, what do we got here? We got a, an ending with a bunch of paper mache heads that still creep me out. Uh, Grizzly Teddy. Morphs and turns into what would what would you call? Uh, it's, Sas, it's like Sasquatch Teddy. You know, he he resembled the giant. Remember the rest of the giant Gonzalez? He he no. resembled. He, he, well, this was like a like a seven foot tall wrestler that wore like oh, a, wait, okay, okay. like a muscular type like onesie that looked that resembled that without the mm-hmm. hair. But uh, yeah, I, I think he's like a like like a Sasquatch teddy bear and. It's a it's a guy in a suit, like I said. So you gotta love it, you know. And um, yeah, you gotta love the old fashioned guys in monster suits, you know. Before everything became CGI, I, I appreciate a man in a in a rubber mask or in a monster suit. But yeah, he, he's but he's strangely ineffective. I mean, like Mark ends up fighting him off with a double barrel shotgun. And when I made a note about this double barrel shotgun, it's. Why does a uh, a security officer have you know his little sidearm and a double barrel shotgun? Why is there always? I mean, double barrel shotguns are cool. They look cool. They sound cool on camera, you know. But why? Why would they have one? Again, I I, I, I got a better question to you. As a filmmaker, okay, why yes. would they sound exactly the same in most parts of this movie? Oh, the, they, the, the, pistol and the shotgun. The shotgun, yes. They they would sound substantially different firing you know because one's obviously more powerful than the other one, but they sound like like the same generic squib. I think that's like that's like Pui on the the editing department or the ADR department that that would uh, look into these things. But there's certain, there's a lot of points in the movie where the the, the pistol and the shotgun had the same not exactly the same not exactly the same. And that's that's incorrect, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's just whoever did the ADR and the sound effects work. We were just like, listen, we have one really good sound effect for the gun. Let's just go with it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, a, a 38 and a 12 gauge just do not even remotely sound <laughs> the same. Uh, he, he, kill, he kills a Bigfoot teddy bear with the chicken mobile, which I, I have to get into the chicken mobile a little bit. This is the car that... that uh, that Mark drives for the delivery service that the for Chunky Chicken, and this thing is like a massive paper mache chicken on, on top of this this station wagon, laying like a bed of like <laughs> the bedding. family truckster. The family truckster, but yeah. the fucking eyes yeah. glow like like the Goblin and in 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 Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> That's right. So, so I don't know what's more creepy that the Goblin, 
But I get kind of sad when when the chicken mobile dies too. So it's it's where it's one of my most saddest deaths in the movie is when the chicken mobile dies because uh it gets <laughs> it gets it gets blown. They needed one explosion in this film and that's it. It got blown up real good, you know. Yeah, they got se- they had several cameras rolling on that at the same time. They knew where their money shot was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, and I always like have a twinge of regret and sorrow when I see a cool car get blown up in a movie, you know, it's like the, the Cuda getting flipped over and blowing up in Phantasm too. I'm just like, not the car, mm-hmm. you know, kill the characters, kill the people, but not the car. And, yeah. I, I've been, I've been, I've been catching up with supernatural, which is a show I've been invested in for 15 years. So I got to see it through, you know, uh, <laughs> they're at a point now where, you know, the God has shut down all their, all, all their luck. So the car starts breaking down. The 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 the, um, the charger. The charger starts breaking down, <laughs> baby, as they call it on the show. <laughs> it's like every time I was like, "Oh man, you know, not not baby, <laughs> you know." Come on, <laughs> it's like even in, in Christine, you know, when I see them just destroying that car, and it's just like, "Oh, we just reviewed uh, Creep Show Two on another show just a couple days ago," and I'm like, the saddest part of that mo- that entire movie out of all the segments is when old chief woodenhead just tears ass on that uh that gold firebird it's just yeah. like come on did you need to do that like get revenge kill the bad guys leave the car alone car did nothing his fucking firebird man his fucking firebird you know drive us all the way to los angeles because <laughs> hair's gonna get me paid and laid yeah <laughs> right we'll see you on nine hunters guy so good <laughs> So good. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is, isn't it? Oh my gosh. His name was Robert Paulson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to think of some other goodies that because you watch movies like this now, you pick up stuff like like the like the creepy old couple. I I I'd like to hear their backstory. You know more than anything else, in this movie. Like yeah, how would they get mixed up in this devil business? But I'd imagine it'd just be a big old Rosemary's Baby ripoff where they had like a coven of old people. That would do some yeah. stuff, and um, well, uh, I kind of like uh, looked upon them like the old couple at the beginning of Brain Damage, like that yeah. were holding Almer, oh yeah, know, hostage. Like they're just like that. They're just some <laughs> some creepy old couple that just happened upon this like demon baby. I mean, and like, and who was the lady that they got like impregnated? Like uh, again, it was just uh, it was a Rosemary's Baby kind of thing. Like they threw in it's a dash of Rosemary's Baby with a dash of Puppet Master. With a dash of rapist eight year old and a toy warehouse, and just turn on a blender. I think it's one of the things I love about like full moon movies in general is this they're absolute bonkers crazy. And half the time, no, they don't make sense, but it doesn't oh. mean we love them any less for it. But then you make up theories like we're doing right now about what's going yeah. on in this movie. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like I think that that old couple was just the old couple from Brain Damage. They were just just happened to not be living in New York at the time. Yep. That's my that's my theory. It's an interconnecting oh. Charles Band with Frank Henderlotter world. Well, one thing I'll mention, I'm I'm looking through the uh, the cast listing right now. Larry Larry Cedar is an actor who does a lot of creature work. Uh, one of which is uh, he plays the Gremlin uh, on the side of the plane in in the. Um, the Twilight Zone, the movie Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet, and um, really, yeah, he plays the 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 chicken boss, the the, the dickhead, and uh, yeah, that's like, right, right from uh from Deadwood. Yeah, I mean, I just started following him on Facebook uh, after I 
I purchased one of his autographs because it was pretty badass autograph. Him on him right on the engine of the plane. I like I, I gotta have this. And so he had it real cheap. I'm like, okay, I'll take this. And find all the cool stuff he's done and he's he's in this movie. It was a nice surprise to to see that actor with a he has a very distinctive look. And um Yeah. I'm trying to think where I've seen the fair haired boy in the her 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 very um I don't even know how you would explain it. <laughs> her son. But yeah, yeah, yeah go, the, go go the back to her son? Yeah, go back to Silent Night Deadly Night Part Five, because that was the kid in that movie. And oh really? Uh uh-huh. okay, that's where I recognize him from. I knew I recognized him from something, but I couldn't place it. He's not in many things. He plays young Bill in, in the hell segment from um Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. He's a, he's he's in that movie and he's in Demonic Toys and that's all he's ever been in, and um, but I like all three of those things. So you go, fair haired boy. Um, if you haven't seen again, Silent Night Deadly Night, this, the whole series is nuts. But Part Five has as as um Mickey Rooney as a as an evil toy maker, and that 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 guy from um. That played the eldest son from Pumpkinhead as his supposed son. Yeah, yeah. Again, I don't want to give it away because it's gross and wonderful at the same time. But uh, it's a. Uh... Yeah, that kid's been in three things, and that's all. But um, again, well, he saves I, the day in this one. I mean, he shows up on the scene with with no kind of recourse or whatever. He just shows up, and shoots demon boy or demon guy at this point he's he's metamorphosized into demon guy and just shoots him point blank right in the face i was just yeah. like way to go man and that makeup looks good i i gotta say that the demon man when he has to get, get bigger and get down to business you know doing the nasty that that uh that demon makeup it, it looks like something you know, your, your your average makeup guy could do now, but as far as, like, the budget of this movie goes, which I'm sure was not very ample, um, it looks pretty fucking good. It's, it's, it's a highlight yeah. of this movie, I think. Yeah, it didn't look like any Halloween, Halloween City type shit. It looked really, really good. And, you know, I mean, the blood and gore, once they get down to it in this movie, really does look pretty good. It's pretty, you know, fairly goopy and nasty. You know, and, I mean, they take him the fuck out they i mean the the fair haired fair haired boy takes out the other kid pretty not wouldn't say easily they tussle for a little bit but he ends up taking him out with that big ass bayonet and oh, yeah, I, yeah. I love the the dissolve effect like when the body is laying there and it dissolves and the sword is still like kind of lingering there for a moment before it falls to the ground after he disappears it's just a little i mean it's a simple fade effect but it works so well I mean, you get like that. I don't want to cheap call it cheap, but like re- recycled like effect from like transfers, like where the transfers get singed, their bodies just kind of like fade away like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is kind of, a, but I mean, they do a lot of that recycling, kind of new and old things for you know repurposing them in, in full moon for other movies. So I can forgive it. Oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is pretty pretty much the end of our movie though i mean at this point there's not, not much left i mean uh there she comes to the realization that this is her that that was her son and tries to explain it to, to mark <laughs> once he gets done killing grizzly teddy and blowing up the chicken mobile 
RIP chicken mobile. We hardly knew you, but, uh, you know, it, it, trying to explain to him, like with all this other craziness going on, oh yeah, this little blonde haired boy that just like morphed into this little soldier boy doll. That's my son, my unborn son. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's, you know, nothing to worry yourself about. Like, he just like I think after seeing everything that he's seen, uh, old Bentley Mincham is just like I I just want to go back to work. I just want to go back out, back out shilling chicken, man. Yeah, 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 or become the surrogate father to her unborn baby. Yeah, who who knows what'll happen next? But um, we don't get that in the sequel though. So no, no, in Dollman versus Demonic Toys, we do not get that. We don't even get the demon in that. We just get the we get the real stars of the film with the Demonic Toys. Like the last very last note I had on here is like I found the toys a lot more scarier than the demon. You know, the demon in the end were I think they were right, you know, in the further sequels in Dollman versus Demonic Toys, Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys, uh Demonic Toys too. They focused on the toys and never really one mention of the demon ever again. And I think yeah. that was the right way to go. Yeah, because it already establishes, you know, fun characters and you know, the demon uh, got singed by Jack Death, or slash fair-haired boy. Maybe the fair-haired <laughs> fair boy grew to be Jack Death. We, we'll never know, you know, but they, they never go into that. But, um, yeah, I think they made the right move, too. It, it, it's, it's, it's not very good, but it's fun, you know. It's definitely a fun movie. It's never boring, uh, and that's the cardinal rule that you you don't break you don't make a boring film you know because if you do then it's dead you know but uh yes never boring but uh let's go ahead and get into our final thoughts and reviews on this one and uh since you're a first time guest uh, the way we usually do things around here we rate uh, the movies on a scale from one to ten and guests go first so go ahead and give us uh your final thoughts and rating on a scale from one to ten gary uh still fun you know, a lot of it still holds up effects-wise, and like I say, you you watch it as an adult, you you see all kinds of tropes that you never see, never noticed before, even a, you know when you were much younger. And uh, this this is up there with the top tier full moon stuff because you, you can't you could put full moon and empire together, but technically they're they're not the same thing. But um, right, right. But as far as this goes, you kind of got to rate it. And, and to where it's in, I mean, you got strong performances by uh, a few of the actors. I mean, they, 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 they keep, they keep you interested, let's put it that way, especially our, our young demon lead, because he's just, he's just disgusting. And you're like, what is this kid even doing? Making these faces, you know, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, he's very devious. And, uh, yeah, I, I got to rate it in the world lives in, and that's full moon. This isn't high class cinema people. But it is in the full moon world, a good seven out of ten. I probably would give it eight on, on a on a next watch, but who knows? So I give it a seven and a half out of ten. Nice. So you're coming in very similar to me. I'm coming in. At, uh, I already had the, my rating written down at the beginning, and sometimes my rating, depending on the conversations I have, might go up or go down. You know, depending if certain things you know get brought to attention that I might have missed, perhaps. But I'm keeping it at an, uh, a seven out of ten. It, it hasn't changed uh, since I last saw it. it. It is classic Full Moon, and like you said, you know, Full Moon is kind of in its own little world, its own little 
category with almost 350 films out. They are their own little world, and it's got great characters. It's part of what Full Moon does best of creating killers out of little toys or little puppets or little people or little monsters and whatnot. And it's, you know, yeah, maybe not, it may be not as popular as, or as profitable as the Puppet Master series or maybe even, uh, you know, the Transfer series and whatnot. But it's up there. It's got a couple of spinoffs, a couple of sequels. It's brought in Dollman. It's brought in the the Puppet Master puppets, you know, and uh, hell, even in a later sequel, brings in Leslie Jordan, who we love here. And it's great. It's got great characters. Uh, Shonetsky is, is great. And the Homeless Prophet is very weird character, but also really great. Creepy kid. Yeah, creepy children of the corn kid. The funny thing is, I, I was thinking he had a creepy children of the corn vibe before I realized that he was the kid from Children of the Corn Three. Yep. Yeah, and it's filled with a lot of over the top acting and a lot of you know, crazy characters. It's, you know, and it's got great effects, creepy imagery. You know, the 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 creepy wa- watchdogs, girls on the tricycles, and weird gas masks is. is really the one thing I wanted to see more of. I wanted to see more of that. If I had seen more of the, those characters and had that, those characters explained a little bit, I might've given it a seven and a half out of 10, but I, yeah. I, I did. I didn't mention Jack attacks, uh, rattle. And he had like a, like a snake type tail to him. I don't know if the rattle was intended to imitate a rattlesnake or what it was. Cause he did rattle it either while he was attacking or just before he was attacking. And Again, another another small thing, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and let's face it, I'm I'm not sure what your favorite is, but uh, my my favorite uh, pu- puppet in this movie or monster in this movie is Jack Attack. Uh, I lo- I love Jack Attack. He just just he tackling. Just, he just looks the best, and you know he he's you know, yeah. You, you knew from you saw his razor sharp teeth. You know, like who who, who they made this fucking toy for? But you know, <laughs> it, it is what it is. You know? I mean, the baby oopsie. Daisy doll was just a kind of an ugly hairless uh, cabbage patch kid. And, you know, the teddy bear grizzly teddy is just a d- demonic teddy bear. But like, I don't know who they made this Jack in the box Jack attack toy for, you know, <laughs> to give kids nightmares and maybe for parents who don't like their children. I don't know. It's like, what, what's worse than that? That poltergeist clown. Oh, we could do better than that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just think anything in kind of clown slash jester makeup is just creepy. I found find clowns. I, sorry to anybody out there whose profession is to be a professional clown, but y'all creepy to me. Y'all just creepy. Uh, <laughs> I just you know, there's something about the makeup, man. Just don't dig it. Creeps me out. But that's why we keep coming back to these flicks. But uh, I want to thank you for joining us this evening, people, and listening to Howling at the Full Moon now. You are, if you're listening to this, you already know about Cinema Degeneration. We got other shows. We have Grindhouse Pizzeria. We have This Is Your Brain on Film, the new Takeout Edition series. And you can find them all on Podbean, soon to be other places. But you can find them on Podbean. Find us on uh, Facebook and whatnot under Cinema Degeneration. But now, Gary, where can they find you and some of your new projects you got going on? Find a majority of my shows on LegionPodcast.com, including Cinema Beef Podcast. And on the same feed, you can find Burning for Springwood, the Freddy's Nightmares thing, uh, two drink minimum commentaries. We haven't done one in a while, but they're coming back soon. I think the next one's going to be Shaolin Soccer. I think that's the next. The next one's going to be nice. Um, 
same crew, maybe a new crew. Haven't been decided yet. I'm trying to go with like a three-man crew on that show, just so we're not talking over each other and keep it interesting. So it might be a revolving crew. We'll so we'll see how it goes. You know, I'm always down. Oh yeah. And speaking of uh, Cameron, we we have a, a project that is in the development phase, uh, almost almost to, to to going on. I think I I had talked to our friend in uh and on on the north of the border of us. Um. Uh, first year of the show of Sin and Beef, we did a huge Walter Hill, one month of Walter Hill for the one year anniversary. But unfortunately, I lost like 45 episodes of my show in, in the fire. Uh, I had backed up and I don't have them anymore. But um, it is what it is. You know, it's, it's the things you lose. And I know. Uh, so I have decided to, to take it upon you know myself and ourselves uh, to, to invite Cameron and uh, Lee Russell from They Must Be Destroyed on Site to do a brand new Walter Hill project uh, called Last Call Torchies, because Torchies is a bar that shows up in many Walter Hill films. And uh, it's a nice through line to make a title for a show about to where we'll, we'll cover uh, all the stuff he's written. And uh, I mean, he directed and uh, hopefully we'll do some of his because he has some random stuff that he wrote, too, that I'd love to do for like maybe Patreon content or something for Legion to get more people on the Patreon feed. That's my only real motivation is to get people on the Patreon feed, you know, because not like, hey, we're going behind a paywall and that, that's that's fine for the podcast to do that. But I, I never bet about making anything except, you know, maybe helping Bo pay the, the server fees. Yeah, you know, that's those are important right, things. Right. Yeah, that's coming, and uh, we did one episode of this uh, video show once called The Spread, which is like, it's like, it's like a list show, list show, which you can find on the Legion Podcast YouTube feed. Well, we're going to do another a second episode I think Cameron's going to be a part of. He mentioned he, he, he'd, be, he'd be down for this. Oh, we, uh, the next one uh, would be um, films who don't deserve their soundtracks, because I could think of 10 right now at the top of my head, but you got to narrow it down to five. Uh, and this is any genre film, which is always fun. I I may have to watch singles again to see how the soundtrack goes in context with the film. But <laughs> it it is a film that I despise, but the soundtrack is very good. So if the soundtrack goes well with the context of the film, it would only be fair for me not to put that on my list. You know, so I'm thinking subjectively here, people. I'm using my brain way too hard, like I should. But um, <laughs> it should be a fun film. I think all the lists will be very different because uh, who who knows what people will pick? Yeah, I, I have ideas of what I would pick. You know, because yeah, I films, got ideas what I would pick already. Some films do not hold up, and some films never held up, but have always had great soundtracks. I don't know. First one that comes to mind to me is, is Judgment Night, to be quite honest. But I, I haven't watched Judgment Night in probably fifteen years, so I might have to watch it again. I like I like the film and the soundtrack is exponentially better than the film. <laughs> if yeah, you, if you haven't looked up the Judgment Night soundtrack, I I don't want to go into it right now. I'm sure we're going to on the show, but the collaborations on the Judgment Night soundtrack are are something special, guys. So go check that out too. You know, 
Oh my god, yeah. I, I wore out copies of that on CD Bad. and on audio cassette. Mm. Oh, cassettes. Remember that, those? That, that, what do you mean you remember those? You still have those, man, you know? <laughs> oh, I still have them. <laughs> yes. you know I'm, watch, I'm watching this on VHS, man, you know? it's, it's uh, And I say good on you, sir, you know? it's uh, <laughs> Keeping physical media alive. Keep keeping it alive, and that's very important. But um, besides yeah, someday, that, someday the cloud might be gone. But you know, they can take their things in the cloud away, but they can't take away your VHS or laser discs. This is true, <laughs> unless unless they rot out or something on you, and that'd be a uh, that's nasty. Yeah, that's that's sad. That's a sad day when you get a rotted disc. <laughs> yeah, those are on Legion. Uh, you can check out Dark Discussions Podcast Network, where NFW commentaries is on there. I frequent on there. The next one that we're going to do is Willis has picked horror remakes for 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 like six episodes. So Suzanne is going to be like squirming like an eight year old getting a haircut or something. Oh because, my god! Uh, are you Suspiria? Suspiria? She's doing. We're doing Suspiria because Willis's choice, and he knows Suzanne's going to hate his hate her hate his guts. And I think that she she would like it. Because it's not a true blue remake to Suspiria, but it's it's a nice companion piece to Suspiria, in my opinion. Ooh. I gotta disagree with you on that one, brother. Well, there's, I, there's, there's, that there's, was... there's that. You know, I described this as Anna, and I always bust her balls about it, too. That Suspiria, the original one, is the most awkward game of Clue ever ever filmed on, on screen. Because... Um, <laughs> It's Susie Banyan. I will agree with you there. It's Susie Banyan in the conservatory with the peacock feather, uh, killing an electric ghost or electric witch. You know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's yeah. spoilers for Suspiria people. But um, I see, I see, I seen it that film in Chicago, and Jessica Harper was there telling stories about the film and. It was really funny in the end of the film when all the glass was exploding. They actually made her walk through while the glass was exploding. So she was more terrified. That's why she was laughing so hard. Because she was just so glad that she made it out alive from all the shards of glass <laughs> flying everywhere. You know? Well, you know, they weren't uh, big on uh, safety on a lot of those old Italian films. But they were heavy on maggots. So I guess we should be grateful for that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> maggots and killer kids. Oh, gosh. Things going into people's eyeballs. Like I, I will have to say, I, I'm with Suzanne on Suspiria. I love Suspiria to no end. It's uh, between that. It's it's really hard for me to decide. It depends on which day you ask me. Suspiria or Deep Red or two of my favorite Argento films. And I did give the Suspiria remake a chance. Our local uh, art house theater had showed it on a midnight screening, and I went to go see it. I hated it. I, I got to be honest. I really hated the remake. It just, it was just, it was everything that the original Suspiria wasn't, you know, but, I mean, you know, I, I, but I, I, I love, I love Tenebrae and I love Deep Red and I sort of like Suspiria, but Phenomena has a chimpanzee with a, with a straight razor and Donald Pleasance in that movie. And that trumps, that, that trumps. That trumps most things, you know. Yes, it does. Even, <laughs> you know, on a side note, I, I really like opera. I know a lot of people consider that to be like the end of uh, Argento, but I feel like opera was his last real, really great movie. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong about that. 
But yeah, well, I'll have to see if I can get Suzanne to come on uh, the takeout edition because on that we do not, nothing but uh, foreign films. And I was uh, just actually thinking the other day, like, who am I going to get to the co-host with me for a Suspiria show? Suzanne would be the perfect person. Yeah, that's 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 a, that's a dumb question right there, man. With, yeah. with, with the right answer, because she loves. Yeah. It. <laughs> oh, her, her, yeah. her, her, and Dave Zandano would be uh, perfect guests because they both love it to death. You know, and we could get Willis, but like he would be the Yang to our Yang hit on that movie. Oh, Willis thinks it's hot garbage, and I'll tell you, he hates it. You know, well, he also loves the Transformers films, so you know, you can love you can you, you can love two of those films. You can love Trans- <laughs> Transformers '84 is really good, and if you haven't seen it, fucking Bumblebee is terrific. So the, those two films you could have, you know. I have not seen Bumblebee. Yeah, it is. It is delightful, and I don't know why we're talking about it on a horror podcast for. But if you haven't seen Bumblebee, it's pretty good. So there you go. You know, you go. <laughs> go see Bumblebee. Do not go see the Suspiria remake. That's my final call. <laughs> well, I think we can get ready to call this an evening. Gary, I want to thank you for coming on. I didn't say this at the beginning of the show because I wanted to save all the ass kissing for the end of the show. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on. I wanted to wait for the right moment to have you come on because uh, when I was down and out with my uh, some of my heart stuff, you know, it's kind of mellowed over the last year or so, but I was having some major issues. You know, you invited me to come on a, a couple of your shows, Cinema Beef, Two Drink Minimum, and it really helped me a lot. It helped me cope with a lot of things, a lot of issues I was having, just not just physically, but mentally. But you also helped plant the seed. You were one of uh, a few people, a handful of people that helped plant a seed to for me to, to want to get into uh, podcasting again. I had done it many years ago on blog talk radio when that was still a thing. And well, still, that's still a thing, but not a viable option. But, uh, you know, I just wanted to to say thank you for, you know, not only coming on the show, but for being an inspiration for me to want to do this again. You're part of the reason why uh, Cinema Degeneration exists. So thank you. I'm humbled, man. You're welcome, for sure. I, I, um, I'm i glad I could give you some motivation. As, un- as unmotivated as I am most of the time, I'm glad I could give you some motivation. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully I can give a little bit back, man. Uh, you know, we both have had some rough patches over the last couple of years, and I think just about everybody uh, can uh, can resonate with the idea of 2020 being rough on everybody as part of the reason why we do these shows. This is a nice way to, you know, vent and unwind and, you know, just geek out about I mean, about movies and escape for a little while. I mean, con culture is dead right now, people. We we got to get together somehow. Ner- nerds got to converse about something, you know. And we, yeah. we can't do, we can't do it in a line waiting for Tony Todd anymore, which makes me sad at the moment, you know. <laughs> no Tony Todd, no Kane Hodder, no oh, Felisa yeah. Rose, no Felisa Rose. That's a Yas Queen. I love Felisa, man. I, I have some great pictures of a nephew of mine just putting the moves on her, like a. Me and my buddy were taking mental notes of this 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 four year old Lothario putting the moves on Felicia Rose. <laughs> uh, even as a little boy, he knows, right? <laughs> oh yeah, really sweet though. One of the one of the sweetest ones you ever want to meet is Felicia Rose. So I, I got to say that. Oh yeah, she's one of the nicest ladies I've ever met. And the fact that like me and my wife were geeking out and calling her the mangled dick expert 
<laughs> and she was totally cool about it. So for those of you, those of you who don't know, Felisa Rose is the mangled dick expert on Joe Bob's show on Shudder. So yeah, yeah I, I love seeing her or hearing her, I guess, pop up from time to time. She embraces her mangled dickness. She she loves it, you know. <laughs> she loves the mangled dick. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, on that note, well, on the idea of Felisa Rose's mangled dick expertise, we'll bid you a fond farewell. Folks, you've been listening to Cinema Degeneration, the Howling at the Moon Power Hour. I am your host, Cameron Scott. This has been my guest co-host, Gary Hill. Once again, thank you for joining us. Keep listening. Daisy, you lord ass, would you be my special friend? What the hell? I can walk, I can talk, I can even shit my pants. <gasps> can you shit your pants? Playtime!